A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. It is I, Logan, and unfortunately I am joined by no one today. It is me again. Brendan is off doing his crazy, you know, stunts and, and craziness. Oh, never mind. Never mind. April Fool's. <laughs> Brendan is here with us as always. <laughs> Happy April Fools to everyone. Hopefully you didn't uh, get your feelings hurt that you were going to be stuck with me again. Um, <laughs> but uh, Brendan, how are you doing? Disappointed actually, because I gave you some really, really quality April Fool's Day pranks, and the fact that on that one, inexcusable. <laughs> Yes, you're right. You're right. But I felt somebody already used all those, so I didn't think I could I could steal them from them. <laughs> no, they were all Brendan Thomas Mart originals, more or less. Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. No, we are indeed joined by Brendan. Um, so for anybody who has uh, listened to us, we're always trying to get you to send us an email. We've been getting emails, but not from anyone who actually listens to the podcast, just a bunch of people telling us uh, how well our podcast is doing. Um, we are now 202 on Apple uh, rankings, so we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Uh, if you uh, if you know anyone who listens to Apple Podcasts or anything, have them listen on Apple Podcasts so we can go into the 200s uh we would very much appreciate that we appreciate your support that you have share and like with your friends you know all that jazz that they say um <laughs> on your youtube videos uh if you want to get a hold of us you can always send us an email at from dublin to cleveland uh at gmail.com so send us an email answer our questions do whatever you like um and we will gladly respond uh because we're desperate please send us emails um but uh, anyway, what we're going to do today is uh, you've probably seen the title of the of the podcast, and that is that we are doing another film review on the Pilgrim's Progress. Um, I believe it's called the animated version or something along those lines. But uh, that is the that is our topic of discussion today. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Brendan. He's got the questions uh, and we both have the answers. So, Brendan, give us the questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right broski so the pilgrim's progress does not really shy away from depicting evil in human form in supernatural form and even to the upper most levels in the demonic realm what did you make of the depiction of evil in the movie uh, as a Christian, and the fact that it was animated and supposedly for children. <laughs> um, it was very honest about evil. Um, it didn't pull any punches with evil. Um, it put it made evil out to be what it actually is. Um, it didn't sugarcoat it, coat it. It didn't make it go like, no. oh, oh, he's just being a funny bad guy. Ha 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 ha! Very funny. It was, they had some comedic, comedic moments to it, but there was a level of seriousness that it was, that it's a threat and that it is, um, 
it's an issue mm. that we all have to go through. Um, for those of you who don't know what Pilgrim's Progress is, if you've never read the book or never saw the movie or any of that, um, it's basically an allegory for the Christian life um, and depicts how evil uh, it, it depicts like the evilness. It depicts um, goodness. It can depicts kindness. It depicts all these different things as like people or as like things or um, or like castles or stuff that they go through. Um, and so Christian starts off, uh, his, his name's Christian Pilgrim. He starts off in um, a, a wicked, evil town. It was called Cursed, the Cursed Town or something like that. And he ends up finding this book um, that tells him, that is the Bible, and a redemption of the Bible that gives him this burden that he feels like he needs to go and find the kingdom that it talks about. And so he starts on this journey. He goes along mm. and finds um, uh, finds different people along the way. He goes through towns like um, uh, what was it? Something like uh, something fair. Um, oh, what was it called? Oh, it was right on top of my tip of my tongue. Um, Felic not Felicity Fair. Vanity uh, Fair. <laughs> it's like this Vanity Fair. There you go. So it's this Vanity Fair where he goes and. Um, uh, basically it's all the stuff that the world throws at you, all of the, uh, sexual stuff, the entertainment stuff, anything that's made to distract, that's what, uh, mm -hmm. that's what Vanity Fair is. And his goal is to get through it and to not get sucked up in it. Um, and depicts how the world mm. treats people who go against the vanity, against the stuff that they classify as fun. Um, and then, of course, the whole time you have Satan and his demons that are trying to do everything they can to convince Christian to not to go off the path, to get off the path and stop following. So um, it doesn't hold anything back from to, answer, to, to wrap your whole question up. It doesn't hold anything back from evil. Um, how about you? What did how did you feel the evil was portrayed? Unusually, but refreshingly, authentically, actually. Um, I think so often we tell Christian children and teenagers that there is a devil. Um, we assume that they all piece together, that there are demons. Tell me the once a year sermon they hear about the spirit of Legion and Jesus driving him out. Um, but actually to see their, to see them operating from the shadows, but actually on assignment against the Christian protagonist was very, very interesting and very well done, I thought. Um, each time that they would fail an assignment, uh, <laughs> they would tiptoe back to the devil um, and he'd like, you know, throw a fireball at them or something. And in real life, you know, the, the lowest creatures probably wouldn't get anywhere near him um because he's so arrogant but demons are not friends they don't have the love of god in them they don't operate through friendship they operate in condescension in arrogance and conceitedness in pride and their number one desire is to exalt themselves they don't even love satan they might worship him if, like, you know, he forces them to under compulsion. 
Um, but yeah, it was refreshing to see that they they toe the line, they do what they're told to do, they they follow commands, but there there's no love or compassion there, and even demons get bullied and tortured by the demons when they when they fail in their assignments. So yeah, it was, it was very interestingly done. Um, you also had very real wickedness from the human characters. Um, Vanity Fair, I just, that entire scene, I felt like I was watching the citizens of the capital in the Hunger Games. <laughs> and not just because of the makeup and the mad hairstyles. Um, but even the protagonist, the pilgrim, if you will, made some really silly, sloppy, stupid mistakes on occasion, just like we all do. But there was always grace there to put him back on track, as there is for us. And I found it had a really, really good balance. Then uh, there was one <laughs> shocking scene where uh, the protagonist gets trapped in a cage by two giant figures. Um, and these giants like to terrify people into taking their own life, committing suicide. And that was made very, very blatant. It was very, very obvious what was happening. Uh, I think uh, they had a really big blade or, or garden tool in the cage <laughs> with which they hoped the main character would kill himself. And I was like, this is supposed to be for children. <laughs> but you know what? You're never too young for the enemy to attack you. And for those who have eyes to see, it was pretty obvious. For those who would be too young to think of on such things, it would go over their heads. But very, very, very bold presentation on evil, actually. I think sometimes Christians try to sanitize the entertainment that they produce so much that you're not actually helping anybody to prepare for real life. So yeah. I thought it did a pretty good job. Okay, super. Um, question two, I suppose. What do you think, without giving spoilers, of course, was the best and the worst thing about the movie? It could be a scene, it could be a character, it could be dialogue, animation, but the best thing and the worst thing. Um, I think the best thing that they did was they pointed out that, um, the hero of the story is not Christian. You don't, at the end of the, at the end of the movie, you're not mm. like, man, Christian was just the greatest dude. He was just a great guy and he just overcame all these obstacles by himself and he didn't need anyone. And he was just so heroic every step of the way. That you're not – if you watch this best movie, you're not going to get that feeling. You're going to get the feeling that Christian made mistakes, that Christian mm. was worried. He was weak. He um, he got beaten up. He got thrown around. He got um, thrown in prison. He got um, nearly executed. He almost killed himself. You know, all these things that uh, mm. we would all say that, man, he was not the hero of the story. And he's the main focus of the story, but he's not the hero he's of the, the story. Focus of the story. Um, and I think that that is something yeah. that even 
a lot of Christian books or Christian movies don't do a great job of doing that. They don't point that Jesus Christ is the reason he's the hero of this story. They point to, Oh, these people, this group of people were the mm. heroes of the story and they ended up winning and overcoming their, their demons or whatever. They're not the heroes. Like God and Jesus Christ are the yeah. heroes of the whole story and of Christian story. They're the reason that it worked out. Um, the worst part, um, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, I guess I would say that there's, I felt like it could be, it could have been, um, done maybe a little, uh, a little differently in that there was other stories that they have from Pilgrim's Progress that they could have added. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have a specific example that they left out, but there, and I thought they did a good job yeah. of having what they did, tying it all together. But I mean, some of the times it felt like a couple of the situations, they sort of rushed through them. Um, or maybe didn't completely explain who, uh, who certain creatures or certain things that came along were, um, because they, you know, the story had to move along a little quicker. They couldn't just say, well, this is so-and-so. Um, so I guess, I guess that's, that's what I would say that could have been better. But for the most part, I would say it was a, it's a really good movie to show, um, show Christians, to show people who don't know Christ, um as just a evangelistic tool. Um, it could be used for that. Mm. Um, so all in all, I'd say it's, it's a great movie and it's something that if you haven't watched it, I would recommend watching. Great. Yeah. I think the best thing about it, in my opinion, because as a professional teacher, I look at literally every entertainment I've ever consumed through a teaching opportunity <laughs> lens. I'm like, Hmm. If I buy this for fun, could I possibly use it in a lesson? Hmm. If I spend five minutes reading the article, could I possibly use this in a lesson at work? <laughs> so even with the movies, I consume uh, supposedly for purely entertainment value and purposes, I still think of them. Hmm. How could I use this as a teaching mechanism? And uh, I'll be honest, I thought it did a really good job teaching on spiritual warfare, actually. Um, not only did it examine the dark side, demons, but even, you know, the heavenly host and angelic help that I came to Christian on his adventures. Um, because a day is going to come when we will be in eternity. Um, we're going to see the guardian angels that were assigned to us. And, you know, the Lord's going to give us a book. And we're going to get to see all the times that he helped us himself, all the times he used heavenly help, his assistance, all the times other people's prayers gave us those breakthroughs. And there is spiritual activity happening all around us in the spirit realm. So yeah, I thought it was really amazing actually to see it dramatized. I think so often, like you said, with Christian material, there's a very deliberate Christian hero or, or, or a sect of protagonists that are can really be, you know, be trumped up to be um, the, the, the noble, good heroes who overcome all evil. But it's amazing to actually see a dramatization of, of, of a, heaven's help, to know it's not actually all about us. There's more going on than we could ever realize. Um... And I suppose the worst thing is quite similar to what you said. 
And it's probably the fact that they made it into a movie. Uh, which might sound contradictory. But actually, I wonder if perhaps it would have worked more effectively as an anthology series. Even of five or six episodes. Maybe, maybe a few more. Where every adventure he faced was an episode. Because in some respects you'd watch certain stories and think, wow, that could have been dragged out more. That could have been uh, elaborated on a great deal more. But watching it all in the, in the space of a couple hours, there was no breathing space. It felt like boom, 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 boom. There was always something happening. And it was hard to appreciate each individual trial or tribulation for what it was. Because it felt like it was very quickly overshadowed by the next thing. And I get that real life can absolutely be like that. Especially um, nowadays, you know, we've got a 24-7 media cycle. And, uh, you know, people's mobile phones are seldom out of their hands. Um, you know, we're constantly being hit by information and pings. But actually, for the sake of a story... I think it's nice to actually appreciate each attack with its build up, the, the drama that it was for the character, and then have some breathing space to see how the character concludes that section of the attack, finds resolutions, but actually progresses inwardly and emotionally, as opposed to just jumping from one thing to the next thing. So I think if it had been rebranded as a TV show, even for five or six episodes, maybe it could have worked more effectively. Okay, and then see another question for you. As an evangelical tool, tool for evangelism, again, the word of God out there, how do you think it holds up? Um, like I said, I think it, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very good tool. I think it would be very helpful to um, share the gospel with people, um, to get uh, even younger people, teenagers, high schoolers, um, even like younger kids to watch to see sort of what when we read the Bible and we talk about it, this is sort of the idea of this journey that you go on. Mm-hmm. Um, in your own personal life. Um, yeah. And I think it, it does a great job of pointing out that it's all about the King. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God. And he helps you along the way. Um, I think it's a good, it would be a good like opener or introductory part to a message or a teaching thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you have to follow up to explain some things. Cause there are some things that um, you would need to point out that, that yeah. the, the the movie does a good job of showing you, but doesn't That's always good. tell you um, mm-hmm. how how and what they mean by things. But I think as a yeah. whole, it would be yeah. uh, it, it's something that uh, even I could add to my mm-hmm. add to my repertoire of evangelizing stuff. So wow, yeah, very definitely. Um, 
I mean, ultimately, the Pilgrim is progressing towards Mount Zion and the New Jerusalem. He's venturing for a kingdom out of this world, which is better, more organized, more peaceful, has got more love, and something that is very much ahead of us, but has not yet been fully realized. And so many believers today don't really understand that the New Jerusalem is a literal place that will literally come out of the sky someday um, when the Lord remakes heaven and earth. Um, I know that there's some erroneous, though wishful thinking, that we're already living in the New Jerusalem. Well, if uh, this is what the New Jerusalem looks like, Jesus, you can take it back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I think that's kind of along the lines of what you said. Certain things were perhaps shown on screen, but there was very little elaboration or exposition. Now, Mm -hmm. some people might say that they felt cheated theologically in that respect. But at the same time, for those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know and understand, and a zeal and desire to know more of the Word of God, that kind of open-endedness can help entice people to whip open the Word of God, which is always a good thing, and to actually look some of these things up these places, these names, these concepts, these Holy Spirit fruit, whatever it was, um, to help unpack it and to learn more can help promote deeper personal study as opposed to people just being receptive, passive hearers and just going on the revelation that someone else gave them. So I think for those, you know, who, who watch it and think, gosh, what was that? Gosh, that story looked a little bit like a Bible story I haven't heard in years, or whatever. Yeah, you know what? It can help entice them to jump into the Word, and perhaps to not be as passive and laid back with their Bible reading and studies. Okay, so overall, yeah, it was a good movie, and I absolutely encourage people to check it out, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, do you agree with our opinions on it? Do you think that our opinions are entirely wrong? That we're just being nice because it's a Christian movie, but it was actually utter nonsense? Or do you think that our calm, measured, balanced response is totally wacky and we should be on our hands and knees saluting its creators and fawning over them, begging for more, more, more? Let us know at from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com or in the chat box section on YouTube. Chat box? That's not what it's called. Comment box in the comment section on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking about the significance of jumping into the word of God, Logan, why don't you lead us in that? All right. Uh, we are going to be 
in Psalms 37, verses 7 and 8. Um, I will read for us, uh, and I'll, I'll give us a couple of thoughts that I caught from this section. I'll turn it over to Brendan, and uh, he'll close us out in, uh, in prayer or whatever, however you know, the Spirit leads. Um, so, Psalms 37, uh, verses 7 and 8. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Um, I could just let those words just be that, and that could be the end of the episode, and you could be, you know, you could be warmed and filled from that. <laughs> um, but I guess what I want to focus on is is there's, uh, there's some action steps that we have to take. Um, when we see wicked winning, when we see wicked going their way and achieving great things that we're like, why doesn't that come to me? Why don't I have, you know, why don't I have that job? Or why don't I have, um, have that person in my life? Or why am, why am I not married? Like all those things, it says right here, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. God, God's timetable is different than our timetable. Um, time means nothing to him. Um, so for us, time is of importance and we want things now and it's now and now, 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 now. Um, but time means nothing to him. So why should it ever mean anything to us? Uh, God is worth waiting for. He's going to give us what he's going to give us the things we ask for. And even if he doesn't, he's going to give us better things than whatever it was we were asking for. Um, he's, he's worth, he's worth waiting for. Um, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of the guy who seems to be winning now. Um, you can go back to, to verse 1 that talks about don't fret because of evil doers nor envious workers of iniquity, for they're going to be cut down like the grass. Um, so like you mow your grass, they're going to be chopped down, and they're going to wither like the green herbs do in the winter. They're just going to be gone. They're not going to be there long. So don't worry about them. Don't 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 get stressed out. Don't get freaked out that they're gonna do something to you. They're not. They're they're nothing. They're they're nothing compared to what God can do and what He's gonna do. So, um, uh, we don't have to worry about things. We don't need to be angry about them. We don't need to be wrathful and take it out on them because they're they're dirty, rotten sinners or they're wicked, evil people. Um, God will take care of them. He'll he'll. He will cut them like grass, mow them down. He'll he'll take, he'll put them in their place. We don't got to take care of it, um, because and the end of verse eight. Don't fret. Don't worry. It's only going to cause you harm. It's only going to hurt you. Um, what does worry add? But it can it can you make you grow a cubit taller? Can it make you get stronger? Can it make you get tougher? Can it make you do any of those things? No, it tears you down. It it wrecks you from the inside out. Um, worry only causes harm. It only hurts you. It doesn't fix problems. It doesn't fix issues. So if you're, if you're one of those people who's been, who I've, and I've been one of those people throughout my life at times, thankfully not as badly now, been a worrier, somebody who worries about what's going to happen, what's going to, what's coming next, what's going to be next. Um, don't worry about it. God's got it. He's worth waiting for. Um, and he'll, he'll work out his plan in his time. So you don't have to sit there and, and figure out and think and worry and fret about stuff because sometimes we just need to relax, rest in God, and trust that he's got this. Um, so, Brendan, uh, close us out. Add whatever you like to add. Maybe there's um, something I missed or something you want to highlight more in depth. Um, and uh, 
send us on our way. Yeah, um, that was great. And I just want to elaborate on that chapter. We're looking at verses 9 to 15. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the lands. A little while, and the wicked will be no more, but you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the lands and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose ways are upright. For their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. And guys, I know we're living in very scary days when evil absolutely seems intimidating and appears to have the upper hand. Uh, we have the World Economic Forum pledging to remove private property within the next eight years. Uh, we've got countries, leaders, counterfeit or otherwise, on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, literally involved in human trafficking, um, campaigning effectively for World War III at this rate. And they're doing what they can to spread terror, deception, and it's ultimately always to hurt the innocent and God's people. But stand on Psalm 37 as a chapter for your 2022. You know, Christians love each December to, you know, look for their verse for the year. Well, there's no better one to stand on. I know that everything the wicked are doing, they think that they're piling up swords and bows against us. They're not. They're piling up swords and bows against themselves. And what they want to be a, our stumbling block is actually God's stepping stone. And very soon he's going to kick one of those stones and we're talking full-on Jenga, full-on domino effect. It's all going to come crashing down. And God's people will enjoy such incredible freedom and such great release and the glory that Jesus is going to get as he defeats publicly all this nonsense, all these evildoers, there will be great, great celebration in heaven and on earth. So get your praise on, roll up your rapture rug, stick in your press, stop telling people it's the end, and get ready to celebrate Jesus. So uh, get happy and eat cake. Here endeth the lesson. <laughs> Amen. And with that, I just Amen. pray Amen. that the Lord loose abundant grace, great happiness, deep joy, unknowable peace, and humanly impossible to attain love.
on each and every person listening to this podcast right now. And may it extend to everyone under your roof, everyone who's in your heart, everyone you do life with. And by the time this year is over, may you look back and think, wow, I don't know how he did it, but praise be to God. The enemy has fallen on his own sword. His own bows have taken him out, his own fiery darts. And the righteous have truly inherited the land. And Jesus has been made famous in our time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Have a super special, awesome week, guys. We love you. God bless. Bye, everybody. Have a great week.